probably no resurrection when we see it. Surely it is more than the arrival of spring, as lovely as that can be. Nor is it simply our collective memory as if we can bring our loved ones back to life through sheer force of will. Whatever new life out of death looks like, it should feel a little unnatural and extraordinary. Matthew, for one, is not afraid to paint it in supernatural terms. We're talking about the dead being raised. Why worry about plausibility now? Our gospel writer is not trying to make this as realistic as possible. He wants heaven and earth to meet in this moment. Any separation we might feel between God's home and ours is meant to collapse here. Besides, a new beginning should feel new, right? Even so, it's interesting that the guards and the women encounter the same thing and yet react so differently. The guards shake in fear and become paralyzed while the women don't seem that bothered. They just witnessed Jesus, the light of the world, get lynched on Good Friday. How are an angel and an earthquake supposed to scare them now? They're told to go, tell the disciples that Jesus has been raised and is going ahead to Galilee. There, you will see him. They have a choice. They could run away, hide, keep this strange new development in Mark's version of the story, that's what happens. We're left to finish the story ourselves. Matthew, though, gives the women a little more credit. He realizes that he wouldn't know the story if they hadn't spoken up at some point. So he has them move a little faster. And once they act, they find more than they could ever have imagined or planned for. They are not just messengers for somebody else's good news. The risen Christ will meet them too and lead them into new life. And so filled with both fear and joy, they go. This is the most realistic detail so far. It's how we approach most new beginnings, isn't it? Whether it's marriage or the birth of a new child, the move to a new home, a new job, any new phase of life. Both fear and joy are usually warranted. Sometimes new beginnings can lead to new places. But sometimes, as with Jesus' disciples, the road to new life leads back home. They go back to Galilee where they started with Jesus three years before. Moving ahead doesn't necessarily mean going somewhere new. Sometimes our new beginning, our Easter, means returning to what is most familiar. But with new eyes this time. New strength. New vision. Then how does Easter change anything for us? Well... According to our reading from Colossians, it changes everything. 
In baptism, we are buried with Christ and are already raised to new life. In other words, the extraordinary power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive now, and it's inside us, and it's not just ours when we die. Or as poet Wendell Berry puts it, we can practice resurrection now. The advice that follows in Colossians, though, sounds at first like theological malpractice. It seems irresponsible, naive, to set our minds on things that are above and not on the things that are on earth. If we don't care about what happens here, who will? Fortunately, that's not the intent. But in context, this passage has more to do with where we find our power. If we find our power in God's grace and not in our own accomplishments or in what other people think of us, it changes what we do with it. It changes who we serve. When we take our strength and our authority from God's love, the fears of death and loss don't have to control us anymore. We're free to make more creative choices. We're free to act with more courage. We have the strength to engage the horrors here on earth without getting paralyzed by them. We can move forward with both fear and joy. Even so, it takes time to learn how to see with new eyes. Most of us have inherited this sense of heaven and earth as two separate realms with two sets of rules. But what if heaven comes to earth instead? And what if it happens all the time? Any lines separating us from God are drawn by us, not by God. Wherever else God might be, God is here, too, continually bringing new life out of death and calling us to do our part, to rebuild, to replant, moving us forward in ways we might only see in hindsight. Maybe that is what our practicing resurrection looks like. Of course, Places of brokenness and destruction still exist. But when we have Easter eyes, we can see more than just loss. No, we cannot roll away the stone. But because of Easter, we have the God-given power to do something about the evil and the sorrow around us. Sure, we can run away. We can hide. We can get lost in our grief and our anger. Or like the women at the tomb, we can speak up, we can give, we can serve, we can act. My question for you today, where might you be called to rebuild, to replant, or repair something that has been broken? And perhaps more importantly, who can you ask to help you? Faith was never meant to be a solo endeavor. Easter is a time for new beginnings. 
For some of us, the joy is easy to see, whether we're moving on or going home. For others, particularly those who have lost loved ones recently or are facing your own mortality, you're faced with a new beginning you didn't ask for and you don't want. We don't always see new life right away. It takes courage to take that next step. But as with the women in our gospel story, we will find our answers as we act, as we move. Christ is going ahead of you. There you will see him. In the name of the one who is making all things new, even us. Amen.